Welcome to Jellicoe Catharsis, a podcast in which we discuss meanings, interpretation and fan theories around the musical Cats. We'll talk about community, sexuality and social justice through a queer lens. We'll explore the best parts and problematic aspects of Andrew Lloyd Webber's work and creations related to Cats. I'm Axel, my pronouns are they them, I'm a hardcore Cats fan and this is my Jellicoe Catharsis. What Axel means to say is they've press-ganged all their friends and partners to come and sit opposite them with a mic in between so that they can rant and rave about cats uh, at us. Um, I don't know why I'm being so high and mighty about it because I also love cats and I'm actually responsible for them getting addicted to it in the first place. So exactly. there we go. I think someone suggested, one of my friends suggested I started this podcast more as kind of a joke and I was, and I looked at them and I was like, this is the best thing I could ever do. Um, so, please tell us, who are you and what are your pronouns? Oh, yes. Uh, hi, I'm, I'm Mike, uh, he, him. Um, how yeah. did you discover cats? Can you tell us a little bit about how cats fits into your life? Well, cats is something I now live with every day, uh, thanks to the fact that I live with you. Um, and cats is a, an everyday staple of your life and media diet. Uh, so, but I mean, well... Uh, I say this, I'm being a bit flippant about this, but I do love cats. Um, I, uh, it was a video, I owned the sort of 98 film on VHS when I was a kid. And I think I went through a period of, oh, I don't know, probably at least a month of watching it every day or every other day. Um, I think alternating it with the, uh, the similar VHS of Joseph's Technicolor Dreamcoat with Donny Osmond. Um, but yeah, as of lately, um, after watching, um, the, the other Cats film that exists out mm-hmm. there, which we'll refer to from here on as the Litterbox edition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the, uh, well, for some people who might be confused, we're talking about, uh, I will say it once, uh, the 2019 movie uh, by Tom Hopper, uh, which I watched first, actually, as a the sort of oddity. It's like, what, what the hell is this? It's really weird. It's kind of boring and it's kind of disturbing. And I watched that first and I was like, yeah, this is like the strangest thing yeah. but not in a good way and then I had realised I made a mistake and introduced uh, Axel to cats through the worst possible medium and thought well in, in order for them to really understand how awful this bad movie is um, we should watch the you know the thing that made up such an integral part of my childhood um, so I showed them that and uh... <laughs> and I thought it was the best thing in the whole world yeah and and here we are <laughs> yeah and that was only like what six months ago six and, months um, ago I'm a, I'm a hardcore uh, cats fan so yeah this is on you mm-hmm. um and so I'm really apologies, excited everyone. as well apologies everyone <laughs> so um I want to ask you some questions about uh your your favorite cat or maybe your favorite pairing like something you find interesting so maybe characters that you might relate to uh, I think uh, well, I think the cat I enjoy most is Rumble Teaser. I really like her energy. Um, you know, within her songs and you know outside her songs, she's just kind of mischievous, energetic, and I just I just love her costume. I love the fact that she's wearing uh, tights that are the same color as her <laughs> as her fur over her main costume. It, it's uh, it's no end of fun to me. She's my current favorite. I fluctuate between them. Um, pairing. 
I really like Bombalarina and Demeter. Uh, I think they've just got such a lovely energy together. However, I, I suspect that if I had to be one of the cats, I would probably be Skimbleshanks. The uh, railway cat. The railway cat. Uh, partially because I, I love his song the most. Um, but also, frankly, I, I'm a bit officious. I'm, uh, I, like, I like everything to be punctual. I like everything to be, you know, just it, tidy and in its place. And I, 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 do, I do like as much as I, you know, try to live my life via sort of queer chaos. I, I, I am in the end a slave to rules. And do, you have, do you like trains? Do I like trains? Not particularly, to be honest. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I like the idea of... I like, yeah, I, I don't know. I like the idea of Skimbleshanks, just uh, keeping everyone keeping everyone in their, uh, under control and in their place, and sometimes acting, acting as a uh, table for sex. That is a deep <laughs> That is a deep reference. I'm sure we'll get onto it at yep. some point. Yeah, it has a, like a gentle... <laughs> Uncle, like Uncle Vibe as well, right? He's kind of avuncular, avuncular, uncle like. Oh, is that an actual? Yeah, sorry, it's just a fun word that I don't get to bust out very often. (laughs) (laughs) He has like this. I don't know. He takes care a little bit of the the younger kitten, and you can see that he has like. I don't know. He kind of entertains them and does like all of this uh, sort of pantomime Mm. gesture. Um, Yeah, he's a really cool cat. But let's talk about the plot of cats a little bit. Can you tell us? Yeah, what you understand. Well, it? when it, when it comes to introducing people to cats, there, there's sort of three ways I think you can go about it. I think you can you can talk about the plot of cats. Uh, the second thing is you can just you can talk about how you know what cats is as a production, i.e., how how it sort of came about via sort of you know Andrew Lloyd Webber's you know sort of interpretation of T.S. Eliot's poem or the third thing which is probably the easiest way to understand what the hell's in front of you on screen is probably just talking about how it functions as a musical um so we're going to do the the hardest to understand version of that first which is the plot of cats yep um uh, so you get introduced to this tribe of cat called the Jellicles on the night of the Jellicle Ball, where you learn that one of their number will be chosen to die and be reincarnated into a different Jellicle life. Uh, well, basically, some cats introduce themselves. Um, yeah, uh, and the, you hear about them and their personalities. Uh, you get to, we discover that there's a cat called Grizabella, who's a bit of an outsider, a bit of an outcast from, from the rest of the Jellicles. You also learn that there's this cat called Macavity, who's creeping around and up to no good. Uh, eventually the leader of the cats, uh, Old Deuteronomy, arrives and introduces himself. There's more singing, more dancing. Macavity shows up, uh, kidnaps Old Deuteronomy, um, for all of a number and a half yeah. uh, gets gets returned um, and oh yeah and, and throughout this Grisabella occasionally sings a very sad song about how she's unhappy yep. uh, but, and how her memories of happiness are kind of uh, all she has left um, at the end she sings this number to uh, all the cats who suddenly realise oh yeah yeah no definitely there's only one clear choice for reincarnation that's you and she gets reincarnated and uh then old Deuteronomy signs off by reminding us that cats aren't dogs. Mm-hmm. That seems, the end. Yeah, that seems like I like to. I like to imagine the plot of cats. If I really want to say it in like one sentence, it's literally it's a bunch of cats, and that's why I'm really puzzled 
um, seem to puzzle people, mm. like the audience, because and critics, um, given and, how successful it was, <laughs> because the the narrative is either really easy to understand or either really hard to understand because there is not really much narrative. Well, I mean, let's put it this way. I've now seen Cats prob- uh, a I'm million s- times. Yes, a, a very lo- large number of times. And even I struggle to recount the events chronologically. Um, but anyway, that's that's one way to describe what Cats mm-hmm. is. The other way to describe Cats in a, in a way that's much more graspable is that it is... Andrew Lloyd Webber's adaptation, um, his adaptation that he made in the 80s, of a bunch of poems from the ooh, 1910s, um, 20s? Yeah, I think 1920s, yeah. Yes, by T.S. Eliot. Now, these poems by T.S. Eliot were, it was a book of children's poetry yeah. uh, called All, uh, bound in a book called Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats. And the poems themselves are about different cats a bunch of cats a bunch of cats it just introduces them one by one there's very little crossover there's not really any um interactions between any of the cats Mm -hmm. uh, aside from a few mentions of similar names across the poems but definitely no they're definitely he's definitely not talking about a singular tribe of cats Mm -hmm. um so that was very uh, and so you know when andrew lloyd webber came to make musical you know in order to make a musical you need some kind of story so he Put all the cats together in a tribe. Um, yeah. Added added an extra added an extra song, the, the very famous song that you'll hopefully know, "Memory." Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, ter- turned it into the the plot and production that uh, that made up the first confusing um, description of this music. Yeah, I think I think yeah. yeah uh, sometimes I kind of see it mm-hmm. if you yeah look at a bunch of books for kids. Um, I don't know. Let's imagine if you have the hungry caterpillar, the whatever elephants that is uh, in loads of colors. What is it like? Uh, uh, Elma? Elma, the, uh, something like that. Yeah, imagine like loads of separate characters like this. And like someone took a, like a bunch of those characters and tried to make sense of it. It kind mm. of feels like that. So those are the first two ways of understanding it. Um, the third way is probably the, e- the most easiest way to make a coherent narrative out of what Cats is and, and also why it works, which is talking about Cats as a musical. Um, so if you're familiar with... Uh, by the way, these insights you can um, are, are largely stolen from a YouTube channel called Sideways. Highly recommend... Well, we'll put a, like a link yeah. on the website. We'll put a link on the website uh, in the description wherever this, this ends up. Uh, um but yeah, uh, one of the, one of the easiest ways to understand Cats is as a musical. Now, um, traditionally in a musical, if you think of sort of your Disney Renaissance films, for example, uh, there's a you know there's a set number of there's a set number of like types of song that happen. You generally have ensemble numbers which introduce the world and the cast. You have an I want number where a sing uh, you know a single protagonist sort of sings about their wants and desires. Um, and you know, and then various songs that go on to sort of ex- explore how how the world works and what the resolution of the various tensions are set up are. Actually, uh, I'm thinking of a really good introduction song for a Disney is um, uh, "The Beauty and the Beast," uh, the first song when Belle is introduced, because I think there are some elements of what you sang there. You know, the present. Like, so, ah. is, it, is it just Belle? I can't remember. Is it just call? I've got what it's um, well. Um, there must you, you know, must be more than this provincial life. That that's a yeah, song. That's that. a song that um, 
doubles up actually because that, that that is an establishing number where the whole town is singing about them and their role it positions bells and outsider positions gaston as someone who's who's mm-hmm. there um but you know then you've got some i think you've got a reprise of it later where bell says you know uh, she expresses her wants very clearly i want to go and wander in yeah. the big wide somewhere that's when she talks to the sheep actually she, yeah uh, there's like a cut in the song where it's more like kind yeah. of slower and she's like look uh look mr sheep look at this yeah. page and look at this adventure and the sheep is like rah, rah, yeah. and he just like eats the page yeah and you've also got other ones like uh, in in Hercules. He wants to find somewhere that he belongs. You've got Moana, um, the, the ocean's calling her. Uh, mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. Like if you imagine a Disney film, you can probably think of several examples of the "I Want" song and the kind of establishing numbers. Um, now, the other thing, the other type of song that might exist is like the "I Am" song, where a character's not singing about their wants and desires, which will sort of get challenged over the narrative. Um, but they're singing about just who they are, wh- what they are. Now, in the context of cats, what you essentially have is a whole load of I am numbers, which are basically the text of T.S. Eliot's poem about these various cats, sung by the cats in question or sung about them by other cats, which don't really tell you anything about what the cats want, just what their deal is. I am the sexy cat. I am the knitting cat. I am the the burglar cat. cat. I am the magical cat. Yeah, yeah. Um, The old cat. (laughs) And in fact, there's only one I want song, and that is Grisabella's song memory where she's saying what she wants she she's all she's got are her memories and the one thing she wants left is to um well is is to be part of the tribe again um and so this so essentially what you've got in the structure of cats is a is a series of i am songs where you're just learning about the tribe that all culminate in this really powerful moment towards the end of the musical um uh, which has been built up slowly over over various introductions of grisabella where she sings memory, she convinces the entire tribe that she's the one who's deserving of reincarnation, and then she gets reincarnated. Um, it's essentially a very, very, um, it, you know, a lot of, most of the story takes place in the last sort of 10 minutes of the entire show. Um, yeah, and that's, and that's why it works. You've got a very slow build to a very big number, um, and then that's it. Who are they? Who they tend to be reserved for? Those the I villains. am songs. Yeah, I think yes. that's interesting. Oh yes, good point. Yes, no, the I am songs tend to be reserved for the villains. So you've got Gaston and Gaston. Although Gaston does want something, he does want something, but what he wants isn't the feature of the song. Yeah. Oh, is like he's... his song is just purely about him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. He wants like he wants this person to like well to marry him to recognize how great he is but yeah mm. he's like yeah i am blah 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 I, yeah 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 um i i'm struggling to remember many off the top of my head at the moment i think there's shiny in moana um uh, which one is shiny oh uh, exactly it's very forgettable mm. there's, there's a crab there's a big shiny crab okay and he yeah, about how shiny yeah. He is. so is that because yeah i mean i guess it makes sense right because if a, a protagonist wants something then you know, obviously, the movie is going... Well, actually, Encanto is an interesting one as well. Oh, it's going to be hard to talk about Encanto. Yeah. Because Encanto does not have a villain. And I, I will... I, you know me, I could do an entire podcast on Encanto. But Mirab- um, Mirabelle has an I Want song. Oh, yes. Which is um, the night of the party when Antonio gets yeah. his gift. And she, you know, remembers that she hasn't had hers. And while everyone is celebrating and she's like, well, I also want to shine. I want to be a part of this family. Mm-hmm. I'm not actually as okay as I say yeah. I am. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, if you have an 
I want song, that's what, that's the attraction that you need uh, for like a narrative to go through and for characters uh, to evolve. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and, and what you have in Cats is a, there's a whole load of characters who are completely static, who do not develop in any way. Yeah. Um, and then all of them realizing how, eventually how selfish they are in excluding the one person, the one cat that actually wants something from their tribe. Yeah. And then get, giving it to her. So, yeah. Yeah. I think there's, um, whether Grizabella actually wants to be reincarnated or not, I think is an interesting topic, but I think it's something that uh, maybe we could talk in another episode. Mm -hmm. uh, because ultimately what she wants is being accepted by the community. Mm. Um, whether that actually means being the jellical choice or not mm -hmm. is arguable. Is Cats queer? Uh, this is something that I'm really excited to talk about because, um, I mean, you can you can read a lot about, you know, um, how Cats is queer online. Uh, but I think... <laughs> I'm sure you can go to any fan fiction <laughs> forum yeah. and it's... really find out that Cats is just all queer all the way yeah. down. Yeah, it's a big topic. But I think what I found really interesting about Cats is um, Cats is not just one thing. And it's uh, it has a huge fan base. It has uh, many, many theories uh, many implicit story, um, like like a lot of subtext, um, and I think um, there's something that I really want to explore in a podcast because I think mm. it's we, we can talk about you know musical theory, we can talk about you know with actors and singing and things like that, but can we talk about cats through a queer lens and what does it mean? Mm. Well, okay, so if we're thinking about the thesis, mm -hmm. is cats queer? There are well, there are a few problems that uh, I think come to mind in terms of like finding the right lens for this because I guess there uh, because as we've discussed, cats itself is already a bit of an a bit of an odd entity, isn't mm -hmm. it? Because we, you know, my main point of reference for cats, I'll fully admit, is the nineteen ninety eight film, mm -hmm. but there've been numerous stage productions, all yeah. with slightly different directors and costuming and, and you know and productions. There's already a shift that you can see from like the original eighties production, um, which I mainly know from the weird uh, don't uh, put your seatbelt on while driving ads done by the cast. Oh, yeah, the yeah. yeah, well, yeah, for, yeah. For context, yeah, they did yeah. a bunch a bunch of uh, uh, adverts uh, mm. using cat costume uh, in the, yeah, in the 80s. Yeah, the, the big uh, yak's hair costume that they wear there versus like the sort of uh, more slinky uh, cat suit like costumes from the 98 film. You've obviously got the um, the, the uh, well, the litter box edition from 2019, <laughs> um, but also um, yeah. So, but also the fact that you know, cats in itself, half that you know, most of the words from the text come from this 19, uh, you know, yeah, 10, 20, 10, 20. 10, 20. Yeah, we 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 really should have researched that uh, yeah. before we came on here. Never mind, researchers for losers. Um, <laughs> um, you know, a lot of the text comes from this book of children's poetry, which clearly there's if there is any queer subtext. It probably was never intentional. Yeah. And yet the production itself, uh, you know, comes at, uh, you know, is, is something that came out of the 1980s. Um, you know, the, the decade of glam, you know, glam rock and sort of hair metal and, you know, uh, David Bowie and all this kind mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, gender bending, um, or at least very different kinds of gender performance, which existed in pop culture at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, when we're talking about cats, what version are we talking about? What production are we talking about? What are the elements that we want to examine for queerness? Practical cats, pragmatical cats, 
political cats, historical cats. In our segment Sociological Cats, we go past the Jellicle Moon and look at cats' connection in history and pop culture. The symbolism of cats has shifted throughout history, um, depending on depending on religion, depending on cultures. Uh, you know, they can be like these really positive guides, uh, like creatures that you know understand gods or are gods themselves, and all they can see like pathways that we don't understand, like spiritual creatures, etc. And then there is a shift um, in like potentially uh, middle age where it's like uh, associated with witches and um like spinsters um and it becomes something um like i mean they're like they're burning cats at times uh they thought that oh. they were yeah it's horrible there's like apparently there's a there's a a festival um in um i think in belgium where uh, trigger warning for those yeah i mean they, they, they don't do it uh, anymore but apparently yeah they, they would uh you know they would they would burn cats in like in baskets and they were supposed to you know i don't know do good luck uh for um i don't know for the year or something like that like it's it's kind of horrible um and um i think there's something as well about um they were at some point you know they thought that they were spreading the plague uh, which is a shame because rats were more likely to <laughs> to mm. spread the plague, which means they, cu- they 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 killed a lot of cats that could actually help mm. in the first place. And uh, if I may, like going on to like modern meanings, uh, mm-hmm. we've clearly got um, you know analogs of the uh, and development of the stuff you've talked about, such as you know the crazy cat lady yeah, the crazy cat, yeah, um, um, the uh, yeah the the you know this independent woman uh that is unmarried and might have you know wants to do her own thing and has oh you know she's probably going to adopt uh, five cats and will die alone in her flats mm. uh, and cats will eat her their fit her face <laughs> uh, cats will eat her face yes uh, there's and there's the other important aspect which is uh, cats as associated with sort of feminine sexuality yeah um we can i'm not sure i'm going to try and address the male gaze aspects of this right now mm-hmm. um but you know i'm sure we've all experienced the halloween stereotype of uh yeah the sexy cat the sexy uh, cat maybe, yeah uh, as as the default basic costume uh that one could one could dress up on um the you know, descriptions of movement as cat-like there's some there's something that's very associated with the movement of cats as something sort of sensual sexual and sort of feminine in a way how have those connotations um, sort of been transferred across knowingly or not into mm-hmm. a production where human adults uh, prance around on stage in skin-tight costumes acting cat-like? Yeah. Um, does the fact that everyone is embodying this certain element of, uh, of felinity mm-hmm. um, mean that sort of actually everyone's everyone's gender expression is tending towards the feminine. What does that do for queer readings of the text? Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's really interesting, actually, when I was reading that... Um... Um, that Disney wanted the rights of cats apparently for, you know, for a long time, but, um, T.S. Eliot or at least, um, his, uh, widow didn't want to give them because, uh, she said Tom didn't, didn't want them to, uh, make it like, you know, a little car- cartoon pussycat, right? And then, uh, when Andrew Lloyd Webber, um, talked to her and say, actually, I was thinking more something like. Talk to Eliot's widow. Uh, yeah, yeah. To, 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 uh, to Eliot's widow. Um, I was thinking more something like hot gossip. So hot gossip, I'm not super familiar, um, with hot gossip because, um, I'm not from the UK, but, um, what I understand it was like sort of a, a touring band, um, in the, 
80s glam pop. <laughs> yeah, that was like like impressive costume and kind of like very sensual, uh, like horny, um, like choreography. Um, and so, like that seems like a wild jump, like from the from this children's book of cat poems. Yeah. <laughs> what happened there? Like, and why? And and you know, and um, so uh, uh, what's her name? Is it uh, Valerie Elliot? Sorry, I can't remember um, mm-hmm. his wife's name. But she was like, "Oh yeah, Tom would have loved that." And I was like, mm-hmm. "What have Tom would love? Like what he would? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's amazing." So before we even talk about whether the production or productions of cats themselves are queer, uh, we're already going in with, hey, cats are associated, cats, the animal, are associated with deviance. Yeah, cats, and otherness. And otherness. Well. Cats are associated with uh, femininity and sexuality. Uh, we are, we've got that, um, we've got these 80s, uh, these 80s glam pop and rock aesthetics, mm-hmm. uh, mixed in there. And, like uh, you know, gender bending David Bowie. Gender bender, bending David Bowie, skin tight outfits, uh, yak hair. I, I'm just adding that in because I, I love the fact that yak hair is a feature of the cat's yeah, costumes. I'm not sure yak hair is inherently queer. <laughs> uh, we can argue about that some other time. Um, but yeah, that's before we're even getting into actually what are we seeing on stage? Yeah. Um, all these influences are just there. And to us in the enlightened year of 2022, um, looking back, you know, looking back at, at all these influences, well, you know, we're probably projecting some other, some other meanings on, on, um, on what's been influenced up to this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Well, um, I guess maybe they should have uh, given us more queer representation if they didn't uh, want us to steal. Uh, to, to, uh, if they didn't French. want us to come for their cats, they should have given yeah, us. Yeah, they should have given us something, something queerer. Mm. Jellicle cats come out tonight. Jellicle cats come on, come on. Let's look at how the Jellicles function as a community, their customs and relationships in the Jellicle hairball. So we've talked about a few of the influences that go into cats. I guess now it's time to talk about the production itself. Um, but before we go into sort of like, you know, what bits of the production are, are queer or not, so, and <laughs> get, get into that old, old market, I think I just wanted to share the thing that I find most appealing about cats, which is, you know, if you're looking for a plot in it, you're going to, you're going to come away, you know, mostly disappointed unless you're really invested in Grizabella, even when she's only on, only on stage for like a fraction of the time. But I think what I find most Peeling about cats is the fact that it's it really does feel um, like the story of a community. Like you are watching all the cast on stage for most of the time, always having these like very slight interactions, um, always getting involved with each other. Um, like most of the named cats are on stage, uh, even if they have a song, are on stage for the entire show. And are always there interacting with other cats, like Mr. Mistopheles, for example, uh, your your favorite, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, who only gets a song like uh, right at the end. You already know quite, uh, you know, anyone watching Cats knows who Mr. Mistopheles is by the time he gets to his song because they've mm-hmm. watched him interact, uh, you know, interacting with uh, the narrator doing magic on mm-hmm. stage. Yeah. He's always he's always been around, and you always you already have a sense of his various relationships, um, mm-hmm. more of which we'll get onto. Later in your in your favorite section, <laughs> um, but beyond that, you know, uh, even the every single background cat has a function. Um, we and and 
what you tend to see in a lot of the numbers is like the cats don't just feature as sort of uh in you know chorus members as a whole but they um that you know they that you can see representations of sort of like older cats younger cats male cats female cats cats who clearly have a different sort of uh, cats who are sort of more prominent or less prominent mm-hmm. within the community and all of this is communicated within you know within not only just the ensemble numbers but within the individual numbers mm-hmm. uh to give a to give a strong example of this if we take the rum tum tugger mm-hmm. um I, I don't well rum tum tugger the horny cat i the guess horny cat, the horny yeah, cat the horny cat yeah uh, the horny cat the sexy ro- like rocking kind of sexy yeah. rocker kind of cat who does not like to be touched which is interesting yeah well, yeah yeah well we'll put a pin in that one but um but through through that production uh, through through that number you see, you're, you're constantly seeing the older cats being slightly sort of, you know, at the back of the stage looking on with, uh, you know, being slightly appalled. Mm-hmm. You're seeing all the sort of young male cats, get, uh, you know, gathering around and imitating him, um, occasionally, occasionally rubbing their nipples. And yes, so, yeah. Once again, we'll put a pin in that one. Um, and then a lot of the, a lot of the younger, um, a lot of the younger female cats just treating him, you know, as a group, uh, you know, as, as, they're his groupies throughout the whole number, mm-hmm. and sort of, and so this is just one example of where you see sort of, um, you learn about the character through the reaction of the community around it because the lyrics he's singing the whole time. Yeah, the the lyrics are, are completely disconnected uh, because Rum Tum Tugger is what he's a cat who's extremely and and decisive and he's annoying and every time. Uh, you put him indoors, he wants to go outdoors, and if you give him some fish, well, he wants some steak, and if, you know, that, like, there's nothing in the, 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 the lyrics that says, wow, that guy is super cool. Yeah, the, the lyrics of the song talk about him getting trapped in a drawer, <laughs> and the staging of that line has him, has him <laughs> hip thrusting. Yeah, it's just like, it's in a moment not, of triumph. It's, it's just not like a glorious like, moment for you. I'm so happy I'm stuck in this drawer. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so, you know. When you look at the staging of this number, you're, uh, you're, you're seeing this sort of community, you know, you're seeing, you're learning about the characters through the reaction of the community to them, and you're learning about the community mm-hmm. by the reactions to these individual cats. Um, and I just want to put a, put a, uh, you know, take a slight aside here to just complain about the litter box edition here. Because mm-hmm. this is, this is actually the main reason I wanted to show you yep. Cats the Musical, mm-hmm. which was, on a rewatch of uh, the Litterbox edition, which for some reason I, I decided to watch twice, um, you, there was none of that. You couldn't, you couldn't tell the difference between any of the background cats. Yes, I think. I mean, there is a problem with like um, the, like the visual treatment uh, because. True. You know, like, um, they, they use a lot of these, like, uh, harsh lights, um, like kind of neon lights, which, you know, is the aesthetic of the movie, mm. but most of the cats end up being kind of gray or brownish, and you can't really recognize them except from their face, pretty much. There's that. There's the fact that none of, uh, none of the named cats are actually sticking around in the chorus for all the numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the cats that you know and understand already, you're not actually be able to follow them through the rest of the production and see how they're reacting to things because they're yeah. just not there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, so a lot of the stuff that added that that real depth and texture of the cats, which is why I can go back and watch it, 
you know, the 10th or 11th time with you and not get bored because I've always got some another cat to follow and see, oh, what are they, what are they doing this time? Mm-hmm. Is just not present in the litter box edition. Yeah. I think, I think, um, there's something about, you know, the medium as well. Like that's why cats is really a good medium for, um, like for a play. Uh, for like you know for a musical because on stage a lot of things can happen and uh, obviously there's going to be things that you know um, catch your attention that are put in front but you can look at like exactly like you said those interactions uh, at the back uh, what's going on you know like those like micro I guess interaction yeah like mm. those like subtle reaction to each cat between them uh, while the movie is really I mean, I don't know, maybe they could have done it a different way and maybe it would have still been fine. But um, it's really like basically the camera is really telling you who's important and the camera is explicitly telling you where there is a community of cats, but really, here's it's about celebrities. Yeah, yeah. Here, 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 you know, here's Judy Dench, and, the, and here it's, is it's about Idris Elba getting progressively more naked. Yeah, and, for uh, like yeah. some, some <laughs> Um So yeah, so this is. I think this leads us on to okay. So why? So where is the queerness in cats? Mm-hmm. Um, so number one, uh, and once again, this is not to say queerness is inherently sexual, but this is an important lens to look to, to look at the text uh, of the production through, mm-hmm. which is Cats is extremely horny. Um, yes. yes. Uh, undeniably, um, e- even if you've had the most passing experience of seeing a number, you'll you'll see that they're, well, it's people in skin-tight costumes mm-hmm. covered in cat hair. Um, not cat hair, that's... that's not <laughs> Yak sexy. hair. Yak hair, sorry. Yep. Um, sl- uh, you know, touching, uh, touching and interacting with the, and stroking each other throughout the entire, mm-hmm. entire show. Um, you know, regardless of, you know, sex or gender. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the time, uh, it, a lot of the time, this isn't, uh, you know, there are quite a lot of reasons for this, which, which yeah. aren't necessarily to do with sexuality. There's, but there's a lot of physical, yeah, closeness. I think it blurs a lot. Like um, when you see cats, um, you know, um, stroke each other, like how you know, like bump their head together, for example. Mm-hmm. And you see, um, and and sometimes you can tell actually um, when you watch. Um, so when you watch the movie, I mean the nineteen uh, movie, mm-hmm. that you know there is a touch that seems almost you know intimate, but actually you know you can you can feel like it's tenderness. It's like camaraderie mm-hmm. uh, as well and i think all of that is blurred and sometimes it gets into yeah. something that is more like horny and sexual and sometimes it doesn't um in the number the jellical ball uh you've got you know you start off with all these cats sort of showing off to each other and sort of maybe a bit of confrontation a bit of hissing at each other then it slows down into this uh number where victoria this sort of uh kitten who's just hit puberty ends up having a lovely um and quite sexualized dance with uh, with another member of the. Uh, I know his name. Why am I pretending Plato. like Plato? I know. I know his name. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I pretend that I didn't. Um, that you know has, has this sort of very sort of you know clearly sort of analog for for sex dance with Plato, and then in the middle of this. Skimbleshanks, uh, yeah, which is the uh, the nice the railway uncle, cat, uh, yeah. the avuncular Skimbleshanks, the avuncular railway cat, yeah. <laughs> comes comes in as they're having this uh, moment, introduces himself, sniffs, and then acts acts as a table um, for Plato to put Victoria down yeah, on, it's um, and continue what looks like their sexual encounter. 
Uh, it's only for a second, but because then all the rest of the cats sort of join in and, and yeah. sort of end up in this sort of like tangled pile of hair and flesh. Yeah. Um, it's unclear what this all means other than touch isn't uh, touch can be horny. It yeah. isn't necessarily so. Um, the boundaries between, uh, you know, uh, what's, what relationships are or aren't taboo are all broke down. Um, that sounds pretty queer to me. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I should be justifying it more because at the moment it sounds like I'm equating this with sex. But... Well, um, I think I, I really like uh, this part actually of the Jellicle Ball, uh, not just because, I mean, a lot of people refer to that as the, you know, the, the orgy, like the, the Jellicle Ball. The cat ball, orgy. You know? <laughs> right. Um, but, but like, I think I, I do also like how it also kind of just, um, look like a cuddle puddle, you know, like mm. a bunch of, um, a bunch of hippies, just like, you know, um, they all come in different, like, pairs or trios or whatever. And, you know, some of them, they just literally just seem to be sleeping on each other, like, literally. And mm. then some others seem to be a bit more, like, you know, um, intimate and a little mm. bit more, like, active. And, and they all, like, come, you know, in the center and it just, and, you know, it kind of slows down. The music slows down and it's almost like, you know, that lullaby part of mm. the song. And they all, you know, mm. and they'll kind of rest and they seem all content. And then, the, you know, there's less and less movement until they're all still. And I think mm. that's, that's, you know, that's beautiful and not just, you know, in a, in a funny way. It's like really like this community and all these relationships that, like you said, are just... Yeah, you know they blur all all together. Yes, a community. So you've got a community. You've got relationships uh, between all cats, which are established and maintained by constant touch and affection. Mm-hmm. Um, and this happens across generational and, and boundaries of gender, um, and, and you know ignoring a lot of this stuff. And you know, even in numbers like Tugger, where you do see a much more gendered response to sort of. His sexuality, uh, you know, between the, sort of the male cats who seem to be more imitating him and the female cats who mm. seem to be more, you know, um, you know, in love with him, you still have moments where uh, our cat of uh, our cat of the day, yeah, Tumble Brutus, is, is in the back, uh, seemingly having a great time, um, getting really excited, uh, stroking himself in response to sort of Tugger's gyrating. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, the thing is uh, about Tugger is he is radiating bisexuality, right? He's the cat that is, you know, comfortable in his sexuality. Um, so he's like, I think he initiates a lot of like those, um, like those theme just by his presence. Mm. But like we've also seen in other numbers. I'm not, you know, I don't really like to cuddle. And mm-hmm. um, even when Old Deuteronomy um, appears on um, on the stage, he, you know, he has like a respectful bow. And, you know, you can see that there's an understanding between both of them. And Tiger is like, yes, I am, you know, I, I am comfortable with my sexuality. But also, you know, I have boundaries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe I'm just not into that. And that's, you know, and that's that's good. I think that's very positive. I'm not into a respectful cuddle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I just prefer to gyrate in the, in the faces of yeah. these Well, I think, I think, I think that, like, Tiger is, like, he's he likes... Like he's into performing, right? Mm. As in, like he likes people to, 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 you know, to look at him. He likes putting putting on little shows for people, like interrupting, you know, creating chaos. Mm. But he's also, uh, and, and he likes, you know, getting back the attention on him when it's not. Mm. But he also has, like, he's on, you know, boundaries, and he seems to like know himself, and yeah, um, and and that's you know that's something that yeah. I think I, I really like. 
So, in in summary of this this little bit, we've got chosen. We've got themes of chosen family. Mm-hmm. We've got um, fluidity in terms of gender, sexuality, and relationships. Yeah, uh, it, it all feels very much like a community bound by um, you know a desire to be together rather than any kind of strict hierarchy of relationships, or with the exception of a few, which I'm sure we'll come into in later episodes. Yeah, I have a question for you though. Uh huh. What do you think are um, the relationship models within the the, the Jellico community? Do you think they, you know, they are they are monogamous? Do you think how do you think that all works? Well, within the the sort of ballad of Growl Tiger, which is a number that sometimes replaces the peaks and the pollicles mm-hmm. uh, in productions of Cat, you see a story where Growl Tiger goes and. Um, Goes and pursues the maiden uh, Riddlebone. Uh, Riddlebone. Riddlebone. Yeah. Lady which, Riddlebone. Yeah, which I guess is a is more traditional looking mm-hmm. het relationship that's being pursued there. Mm-hmm. Uh, other relationships within the cats thing. I mean, you really have dance numbers as uh, like the aforementioned sort of Plato and Victoria one where mm-hmm. Skibbleshanks comes in for a bit of a snuggle as well. Yeah. Uh, you have cuddle puddles. Um, you have some West Side Story flirt style flirting with all the the boy cats uh, coming to coming to sort of pursue Bombalarina and the girl cats who are doing a sexy dance on stage at that time. Yeah. But there aren't really any solid sustainable pairings over it unless mm-hmm. you count the ambiguous uh, the ambiguous nature of the relationship between Mungo Jerry and Rumble Teaser. Are they siblings? Yes. Are they lovers? Who knows? Who knows? No one knows. <laughs> Better not to ask. Uh, according according to you, Axel, they could they could be both. <laughs> they there is both exist in the in in the fan base. I'd say there's also um, um, when um, uh, Bustopher Jones come and visit. Uh, he also like there is obviously some. Um, um, is he Is he is it, was as in like is he Mistopheles's like uncle or daddy? Or uh, that, no, I was more thinking how you know he gives a he gives a, a flower to uh, Jenny, uh, Jenny, yeah. and some of the other like bon, I think Bombalirina is a little bit offended. Mm. Uh, so there's definitely some things like this. Uh, I really like the idea that. Um, well, actually, no, because like I, I'm, I'm worried that I'm going to get into the fan, the the the, the fan base. Ooh, I th- I have thought of uh, actually Bombalarina. Now that you've mentioned her, mm-hmm. when you track her um, relationships throughout throughout the production, mm-hmm. uh, clearly she's very close to Demeter. Mm-hmm. Um, unclear whether whether as a friend or a lover. Um, mm-hmm. I think both readings are, are thoroughly valid. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then she's also clearly, uh, you know, the, she's very explicitly pursuing Rum Tum Tugger and his number and being rejected. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, and then I think she has various flirtations with with other people in that time. Yeah. It, like it, Alonzo comes up and flirts with her at one point. Yeah, I think she rejects Alonzo. Uh, I mean, Alonzo kind of tries to... Um, Does anyone know who Alonzo it? is? <laughs> so, yeah, Alonzo is uh, a cat uh, who isn't... Well, he's not named... Um, it's probably Monka Straps understudy. Yeah, no, he's not. He's, he's Tugger understudy. Well, it, so it depends on the production. Right. Uh, but yeah, sometimes he's he's uh, Tugger Tugger's understudy. Uh, but his character is basically seen as like a, a number two um, to Monka Strap. Straps. He's so, an enforcer. He's a defender. He tends to step in the way of uh, step in the way of Deuteronomy and danger. And yeah, when right. Monka Strap fights McCavity, yeah, he takes over. He at takes some over point. the fight when Monka Strap gets. 
Bet. Yeah. Uh, and Alonso is, I mean, he does seem horny. Uh, he gets, so he... So that's the jellical ball. Trying to... Yeah, he tries a move on Bombard Urena, who rejects him. Um, he tries a move on um, Cassandra, who dan- dances with him. And then he has, because like, there is a moment in, in um, uh, the jellical ball, which is a moment that both... I found really funny and also repulses me, which is the, um, you know, there is a boy, like a girl dance, like a, like a men, like a female male dance, um, basically. Yeah, Tugger like, running into Bumble Arena and everyone. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and there is like, there's this coupling, and I think there are about, uh, five. five, yeah, five of them, um, and, uh, and Alonso, who was dancing with Cassandra just a little bit before, was like trying to like kind of seduce her, then suddenly is dancing with etc. So etc. is um, the cats who perform uh, the trapeze, uh, like uh, the trapeze balancing uh, at the beginning of the movie. I mean, the easiest way to remember her, she's the one who's, who oh, screams the... at the end of Tugger's song. Yeah, she's the, yeah, she's the super fan, uh, like Tugger fan girl. But she's also portrayed a really young cat. Mm. Uh, and maybe it's like kind of cute as like, you know, maybe like teen, you know, like um, having an idol. Mm. And maybe that's kind of cute. But then there's Alonso who's been trying to go around and he's just like, and he has this dance where he carries, etc. who's pretty much a kitten. And I'm like, I don't know, there's a little bit of ick for me mm-hmm. at, that, at that point. Um, a bomb ballerina mm-hmm. who... Um, you know, who gets, like, sort of playfully rejected mm. uh, by Tugger. But then during the song, uh, after that happens, she's basically, um, there's, like, Pounceable. Which song? <clears throat> during the Rotom uh, Tugger during song. During the Tugger song, yes. Yeah, after she gets rejected, she stayed a little bit in the background, and she's just, like, reacting to uh, Tugger's, like, hips thrusting, like, she's, like, in trance and, like, really horny, like, almost like, you know, aggressive like angry horny and she start like touching and rubbing the cat next to her yeah. who happened to be pounceable mm-hmm. and and he's like he he looks like he's just like oh i'm here at the right moment you know it's like and, and there's a few moments like that that mm. happens as well during the ball when he's like hey i guess maybe you're not into me but i guess i'll happily uh, be that you're i don't know you're um your toy boy, uh, mm-hmm. if you, uh, you know, if you're really horny. I mean, I think we're making a very good case here that, you know, there is probably very little monogamy, if any, in cats. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that makes sense. Right. Well, that's, that's monogamy. So what is canon? What is fanon? Cats wouldn't exist without its fierce community. It's time to delve into the rabbit hole of the fan work and theories in feline, fearless, and fan fiction. What people refer as, like, the biggest... I guess, case for queerness in cats is obviously the pairing, Rumtum Tiger, Mr. Mistopheles. I love how you say obviously. I... It is obvious. I mean, God. Um, so, you, because we have this cat, again, uh, Tiger, who's like the sexy cat, uh, the like very, you know, flamboyant sexuality, right? Um, and seems to like appeal to pretty much everyone, mm-hmm. except maybe the, except old the older people. cats who disapprove. Yeah. Of them. <laughs> um, uh, and he's, you know, and he's taking the spotlight throughout the whole, you know, the, the, the whole movie. And then he gets to, we get to Mr. Mistopheles' song, where obviously all uh, Deuteronomy has, you know, has uh, disappeared and all the cats are panicked. What are we doing now? There's no light. You know, there's like a distress situation. And then Tiger is there and he's like, you know, 
lounge on a whatever on the car boot car boot whatever and uh, and he's like well you ought to ask Mr. Mistopheles and it's really interesting my boyfriend yeah <laughs> it's really interesting that it's him who's singing uh, Mr. Mistopheles song and mm. I you know I often wondered what was the reason for that um, I mean there's a production reason I think the original um, the original Casper uh, Tugger was actually a lot more of a singer than a dancer. Uh, so they might be and like... And Mr. Crazy. was a bit more of a, oh, dancer, um, yeah. a singer. <laughs> yeah, he's a, a Mr. is like, because he has one of the, like the hardest part of like the uh, ballet um, dancing that usually they're looking for a dancer rather than a singer. Although he does sing in some production depending mm. on, on, the, on the cast. Uh, it's really interesting that suddenly there is this you know, this magical cat who come, you know, from the sky in this, you know, there's always an element of like rainbow on in pretty much every production, whether that's like a rainbow jacket, like with like, well, rainbow lights on it or a rainbow ribbon ribbon or, or something like that. Um, and Tiger, you know, is just, you know, making this cat the center of the attention mm. it's, it's just really interesting and um you know it is i, I like i yeah, i feel that is incredibly meaningful mm -hmm. i mean what do you think about it i mean uh i'm, I'm not going to i'm not going to uh crap on the uh the the most the, the the biggest pairing of the cats fandom which is uh tugger and mr mistopheles um and yeah i mean it's it's uh, as you're saying it. I, I guess I'm thinking of a few things. N number one, the fact that um, Tugger does embody a fairly masculine ideal of sexuality, uh, seen through an '80s lens. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, you know the, the kind of rock star doing the Elvis hip thrust, and mm -hmm. uh, you know having all the young uh, kittens fawn over him. Uh, while you know Mr. Mistopheles is kind of quite well, moderately quiet and reserved, but you know sort of ballet dancer who's dancing around shooting lightning and sparks from his fingertips and uh waving a rainbow flag around and it's just it's it's interesting to see the relationship between them and how they bounce off each other in most productions um and the fact that most increasingly uh, productions tend to play up the relationship between them as as something that's fairly substantial um yeah, yeah this is something that is really interesting about cats because it's it's kind of like it's a, like a living piece, mm. I would say. Yeah. Oh, one thing they don't touch. They, that they, is true. They actually. rarely touch. They yeah, they mm. don't actually. That's it's interesting. But this this is more bending to my theory that that Tugger's actually ace um, with <laughs> that that Tugger's ace and doesn't actually like touching anything, but really wants to play up the performance. But I can see mm. you're getting angry at that interpretation. Mm. No, so no, no, no. Just, but I'm just wondering. Then I mean. <laughs> he is well okay so first that depends on the production because yeah, yeah. in some productions um uh, you know there are like there are more things happening between mm. uh, tiger and mister but it is true that all of the touching that tiger does is like in the uh like 19 movie is performative mm. It's like rest. He's like resting on people. You know, it's resting on Pounceful as a chair. Yeah, he's yeah. He's kind of like just scratching the chins of the younger cats. He's yeah. uh, flirting and then dropping Bumble Arena. It's yeah. a, it's all part of the performance. Not he doesn't really have any kind of you know he, he has no he never really demonstrates intimacy 
with anyone on yeah. stage. Yeah, but I mean, doesn't that come from the like the stereotype is like, oh, you know, I kind of go on all those, uh, I don't know, like like a fail like like hookups and then mm. i'm just uh and then i just i don't like to cuddle you know I'll, I'll already be out of the door by the time you wake up yeah you know? <laughs> uh, but i mean i wonder if but in the meantime let me big up my friend misto here uh, who's yeah. clearly just a friend yeah uh, best friend <laughs> i'm just gonna run around uh bigging him up and uh you know following his dance moves and uh, making everyone look at him for ages because yeah yeah he's just a good friend yeah, he's just a good friend. There's, there is a moment actually, um, um, during, um, while Mr. does, uh, he's uh, like a, like there's a ballet piece where, mm-hmm. well, there's a dancing moment where, uh, there's no lyrics and Tugger suddenly, um, uh, like, Has is a quiet surrounded. And, yeah, yeah, like, is surrounded by two, uh, by two female cats and it's like, hey, Look, I'm not. I'm totally not. Uh, you know, I'm totally straight. I'm, I'm totally hey. straight as I gaze lovingly at my <laughs> yeah. uh, at my boyfriend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when it so when it comes to the fandom, uh, the fandom, uh, you know, um, says I'm right. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> just saying, um, well, like the most popular pairing in fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Because um, cats is a fairly like popular theme for uh, fan fictions, so um, yeah, uh, what we call Tugophilies, so uh, Tiger and Mistopheles is uh, by far the most common pairing in uh, fan fictions, uh, based on my uh, study of fanfiction.net and archive of our own. Uh, to be fair, it was, my methodology is not perfect because um, it, it wasn't, it, it really relied on whoever could be bothered tagging their fanfiction. So it might not actually be, my numbers might not be accurate. Um, but basically, yeah, the majority were um, Tugophilies fanfiction. Uh, we also get a lot of um, Demeter Monkenstrap, which would be more of a heterosexual pairing. So that's also um, like a yeah a pairing that comes back quite a lot. Which makes sense from the text. They've they've they have a fair number. Well, actually, they have they have one solid interaction at the end of Macavity. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I found I I found this reading sometimes a little bit annoying because. There is so there is obvious history between Demeter and Macavity, um, and and I yes, and it is actually canon because uh, you didn't believe me, but there used to be um, I don't know there was a matinee show or something like that that canonically well canonically uh, Macavity before before escaping turned toward Demeter and say you'll be next or I'll come back for you or something like that and it's like. You know, there's always like pairing this sort of abusive relationship between Demeter and Macavity, and and and, and Monkenstrap being like the protector, so the kind of rescuer, and it's something that sometimes I find a little bit annoying because, you know, I, I guess it fits maybe a bit more into the the rescuing um, stereotype. It, it's at this point I really feel we need to have a a nice solid discussion for our for our listeners. Um, about what we mean when we talk about the cat's canon, because um, <laughs> this is this is something that's been a, a matter of like long long term debate between between you and I. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as mentioned at the beginning, you know there are there are multiple things which make up the you know which make up cats. Yeah, you know, number one is the text of T. S. Eliot's poems. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but then number two, like, but then there's a, the huge problem of adaptation, which is not for me to go into, um, because that's a feature of a, of a, of a topic coming up later, uh, in a, in a future episode. But the way that that, uh, but, you know, around the text of these poems has been added the costuming, the, the dance, the choreography that, you know, the sort of, and all the relational stuff that happens in the background. Now, beyond simply what we see on stage, um, so my, my resistance when you've been talking about some, some of these things as canon has been, well, I'm not seeing them portrayed directly on stage. Therefore, they can't, you know, how could we add anything to the canon? Where is this, where is this extra information coming from? And then you've rightfully pointed out <laughs> with, with, uh, citations and notes <laughs> that there are a series of, um, Agreed upon facts uh, and relationships between the cats, um, between like production staff, like different, uh, like all the choreographers uh, within, uh, you know, within the script, and and you know, way, ways that the, all the actors have the relationships between the cats communicated to them, um, mm-hmm. which all which in, commonly informs pretty much all performances, with the possible exception of the well, with the notable exception of the litter box edition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so when you talk, when you, so when you're talking about, um, Mungastrap and Demeter, you're talking about the fact that not only appears in a certain production where they actually add in lines, but you're also talking about production notes that inform most productions of cats. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know about, uh, Demeter and Mungastrap being canonically together. There's definitely, uh, Macavity oh, and Maca- Demeter Sorry. relationship the that Macavity there relationship. is, you yeah. know, there is something there that is can, um, canon. But what is really great about, yeah, like, a, like about Cat is that, you know, there is loads of production and they have like informed the canon over the years, over the, the decades. Um, but they're also, um, you know, because there is a big fan base that makes, you know, there are people that make illustration, that make fan fiction, that make, you know, all sort of, you know, um, all sort of creation. Sometimes that also come back, comes back to the actors. Um, and so, for example, um, I remember I was, um, uh, listening to, uh, there's a podcast called The Wrong Cat Died. Um, where, um, the, there was a Rumtum Tiger, it was a, a Tyler Haynes was, uh, interviewed. So he played, he played, uh, a Broadway revival, I think in, in 2016, uh, Rumtum Tiger. Um, and he was saying that, you know, they had, uh, sometimes he would, um, you know, talk to fans and, you know, the fans were asking, oh, what's your relationship with, uh, Mr. Mistopheles? What's your relationship with Skimble Shanks? And depending on the night, uh, he would basically improvise or like play those relationships a little bit differently. So sometimes he might be, you know, like him and Skimble Shanks, they might have like some sort of animosity between them. Sometimes they'll be more like kind of like lover or like, you know, have like ten, like, have some sort of tenderness between them. Uh, and so, so it's interesting because then the canon. There's an interaction between the fan and then the canon. Yeah, exactly. And now all yeah. of this just becomes real and it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's wild. And For a given amount amazing. of real. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, if like the actors do it, mm. then if it has happened, you know, it is canon. It is interesting that, well, yes. Yeah, so we, we, what we have is in, in the case of cats is a very unstable canon 
and a situation where Canon and Fanon are constantly interacting with each other and reinforcing each other, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, apart but from... But Mistopheles is definitely gay. Mr. Mistopheles is... Well, actually, is pretty much always gay, except... Except... The Little Box Edition. Except the Little Box Edition, which he was aggressively straightened. Yeah, he was... So aggressively straightened. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of... Um, how they call it? Straight washing. Um, where, you know, Rum Tum Tiger obviously is all about Victoria. Mr. Mistopheles is all about Victoria. Rum Tum Tiger doesn't even sing... Uh, Mr. Mistopheles' song anymore. It's uh, Monk and Strap. Mm. Um, and I mean, you know, kind of seeing them, I would be like, okay, well, I can, I can ship like Monk and Strap and, uh, and, and Mr. Mistopheles, you know, if that, you know, if that comes mm. to this. Um, but they definitely removed any, you know, any subtext or any, any sort of aesthetic choice. And explicitly added, explicitly added in romantic, uh, heterosexual oh, yeah. romantic subplot. <laughs> yeah, they're literally, oh, like, don't look at Rum Tum Tiger, he's rubbish, just look at me, Victoria. Yeah. And... Also, Jason Derulo's uh, contract is up, so he's not going to be appearing in the rest of this film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's really a shame because, you know, you had, you go from this um, Mr. Mistopheles, who is quite an aloof like the song says but he's also you know when is he starting to shine while well, he shows skills he shows you know personality he shows that he has a sense of humor and all that um and so he's very like flamboyant he has mm. a really like really cool as well like, style um um like his outfit is great uh and then you go to the the litter box edition and it's like um, I mean, I don't have anything against uh, was uh, Laurie Davidson, the actor, mm-hmm. but you know he was playing literally the the shyest, most um, you know, like lowest self esteem Mister Mistopheles possible, and to the point that it's painful. It's like it's really hard to get behind him because you just get so annoying. Mm. So we talk about straight washing, but there's also. Uh, have, we haven't used the word polyamory quite yet, but uh, relationship anarchy is probably the yeah. better term here. What what you have in the uh, in the in the Lisa box edition is not only um, enforced heterosexuality, but enforced monogamy between yes. so many pairings. It's because it's not just um, Mister and Victoria. There's also it's also um, Monkstrap and Jenny Any Dot. It's also for some godforsaken reason. Um, uh, Gus, uh, Ian McKellen's Gus the Theatre Cat and, uh, um, and Judy Dench's Old Deuteronomy. Yeah. So you literally have all the cats very clearly pairing off, uh, throughout this production, um, and only, and it, which, which just nixes all this wonderful fluidity that happens in the stage show. Mm-hmm. Interesting though, is that I, so I do read a lot of, uh, cats fan fiction, obviously. Monogamy is actually a theme that comes back quite often, and there's not as, much i mean you know i mean i haven't read all the fan fiction i'm sure there's a you know there is a polyamory is definitely an element of it or at least relation relationship anarchy mm. but there is a lot of um you know mate for life you find someone and by some sort of like natural instincts you know uh power of the earth whatever it's mm. like that's it you're paired and you will never look at anyone else and you're happy together yeah uh- at the risk of alienating our only plausible fan base, i.e. people who are as into cats as we are, uh, who most likely write all this fan fiction, mm-hmm. uh, I do wonder if that's more a feature of 
the kind of people who write that mm-hmm. fan fiction and the tropes inherent in fan fiction more widely than it is of the, the source material. Oh yeah, I, and I think I think you're completely right. And yeah. honestly, I think it's a complete valid you know way of writing your fan fiction if you want. The Rumtum Tiger to, you know, abandon all of um, his tugging. tugging and just, uh, you know, uh, find his uh, one soulmate. I think that, you know, that's great. You should definitely write it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's interesting that it's a thing that hasn't, you know, the yeah. something from the stage that hasn't really... Um, passed it over. Yeah, passed over. Though... You know, if you if you are going to do that, write as a, write him as a bottom, you cowards! Like, come on, hashtag Tugger doesn't top. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I actually, I actually can point you to some. some uh, I'm sure you can. <laughs> <laughs> um, apart from so, apart from Tugophiles, um, the other queer pairing that we find in uh, fan fiction. Mistopheles gets paired with everyone. Of course he does. It's just like... He's the most explicitly gay cat. Of course he's going to get paired with Uh, everyone. So, uh, Monk and Strap, um, Mistopheles is also also a big one. It's my favourite one, please. Is it my favourite one? Is... uh, Demolarina? Oh, Demolarina, yeah. Yeah, there we go. So, yeah, (laughs) this is also uh, another one that I found really interesting. Mm. Uh, Demeter and Bombalurina. Just in case we've been talking about Demeter and Bombalurina and no one knows who the hell we're talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, They're the two uh, female cats who sing Macavity Mm -hmm. and trade trade the verses back and forth from each other. Um, now this this is significant because they are most throughout most of the productions seen together. Usually, Demeter having some kind of panic attack or nervous breakdown, and Bombalarina comforting her, mm-hmm. um, which uh, which continues uh, you know up to and and through the number Macavity, where I know this is wrong, but my my or my reading of the the way the nineteen ninety eight number proceeds looks like. Demeter is talking with fascination and interest in the cavity, and Bombalarina is trying to talk her out of it. Um, I read it completely the opposite. I know this is where we disagree uh, most. I like well, I I don't know. I kind of understood that more as uh, Demeter is talking about macavity with you know kind of fear, and I mean. I wouldn't go to disgust, but um, because I think the problem with Macavity, the song Macavity, is like it's it's fairly sexualized. I think it's very sexualized. Um, yeah, it's the most you know, sexualized song there is, in the film. Yeah, the, I mean, and and the fact that it's sung by all um, the female cast, you know, I think I think there's something there's a bit of a problematic element there because they are like the most objectified. You know, there's a lot of um, zoom on their butts and you know. Like they're, mm. you know, they're, 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 um, yeah. Uh, so we'll put a pin in the male gay. Oh, the Tom, the Tom gays, the Tom gays, yeah. is that? Maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, so I think there is, there is that element that I think models a little bit my reading, mm. but yeah, the idea that has like, yeah, Demeter is like doesn't like Macavity, um, mm. and and Bombalurina is a little bit like. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, you're right. He's, you know, he's really like a bad guy. Or like, here are all these traits that are terrible, but he's kind of hot. One other thing is in the way of Bombalurina looking at Demeter, because Demeter starts the song and she mm. starts talking about Macavity and, uh, and, and Bombalurina stays at the back and she kind of smiles in a really like sensual way and she's like lying down. It makes me feel like they're actually singing for each other. Mm, yeah. Uh, and they're like, 
you know, they're talking about this cat that's super sexy and stuff, but actually, hey, look at me. I'm kind of like, you know, mimicking and gyrating, you know, like your movement around you, around you. And it's, you know, at each other as opposed to really that being about macavity. Mm-hmm. So that, that's my reading of it. That's fair. Your reading is valid. And so you think that Bombadourina is trying to be like be with me instead of macavity i can i can point to bits of the text where where i think that that reading comes across quite well mm-hmm. which is that the, the first verse which is demeter is very complimentary um and when they start uh when they start trading off uh well firstly like the lines like monster of depravity are in mm-hmm. Bobalarina's mouth and yeah. when she says that demeter turns away as if offended yeah you're right yeah there's there's that there's also um Demeter saying he's outwardly respectable, and Bombalarina responds as "I know he cheats at cards." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's sort of this trade-off. I, see, I, I really see it as Bombalarina reminding Demeter of all Macavity's flaws, uh, and this reading is actually further backed up by um, oh, what's her, what's the choreographer's name? Gillian yeah. Lin. Gillian, Gillian Lin. Yes, Gillian Lin um, talking to uh, Demeter's actress. Oh yeah, yeah. Where she's uh, you know t- telling how to. Um, how to characterize Demeter talking about Macavity, and it's like, oh, he was wonderful when he was making love to me, but I hated him. Yeah, yeah. Is, is sort of the the feeling that she tells her to embody, and it's like that that kind of fits with Demeter's complex feelings towards Macavity. Yeah, um, yeah, and why Bombalarina, as someone who is clearly helping Demeter through her trauma of escaping that relationship, reminding her of all the bad things that Macavity has done, at the same time as trying to keep her close. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. I also like. When, like, several times during the show, especially during Mr. Mistopheles, Bumbalarina, Demeter, and Monk and Strap are kind of hanging out together. Mm. And, uh, I mean, I don't know how much I can read into this, but, you know, as maybe two people are trying to support Demeter through what she's going through, mm. you know, there's, like, there's no, like, oh, uh, you know, it's just mine, or she's, you know, like, they're all here and they're all, like, supporting each other, mm-hmm. and, I, and I quite like that. Mm-hmm. There are two pairing that I want to talk about. Uh, sorry, pairings from the fandom? Uh, pairing from, yeah, shipping. Yeah. Like yeah, to, shipping. Yeah. One is um, Teaser Victoria. It's It has literally... Uh, like, I don't think it has any backing up, but it's something that I've seen a few times. Is this, uh, is this something that might be more based on the Litterbox edition? Because that I could understand a bit more. That's... Yeah, I can... Yeah, I understand. There is definitely a thing... Because that There's the number Mungo Jerry and Rumble teaser in the list box edition is the closest thing to a to a cat cat's threesome I think I've seen in any yeah production. yeah that it might be but I think like I do think that it's present in the you know well. It, it might just be that a lot of people have discovered through mm. the litter box edition and then went back and then was like, oh yeah, we actually love... The, we love Victoria, like, we love Rumble Teaser. Yeah, well, like them. a lot more, but yeah, it's possible. But I really like I really like that pairing because I think mm-hmm. it's it's just really sweet. Uh, like, just kind of like sweet Victoria who's like, maybe a little bit naive, but also kind of like very, you know, she's mm-hmm. very skilled and kind of adventurous mm-hmm. and then there's Rumple Teaser who's like mischievous, you know, yeah, yeah mischievous and maybe you know I really like this girl and maybe I can like we can go on adventures your together. manic pixie dream cat yeah yeah <laughs> but I just I don't know I think I really like that pairing mm-hmm. uh, it does it does happen yeah I've seen it several times and the other pairing Monk and Strap and Alonzo Monk and Strap and Alonzo I can see that I can understand that yeah that had uh, like had 
bunk they do uh, when, like, a bunt, bunt, I think it's bunting is called, just before the Gumby Cats number. There's literally, you know, a bit of time where they kind of like, they're all like greeting each other and stuff, and there's like, uh, I love it. They, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you yeah. That, that's a that's a that's a deep cut in terms of uh, <laughs> yeah, half, a half second interaction that's launched the ship. Yeah. I can understand that. You can trust me to read way too much. I, I can definitely trust you to read way too much. <laughs> yeah, is there any gay? You'll find it. It's, there was there was some gay. <laughs> um, yeah, I quite, I quite like that because like he just really tries to. Mm. I don't know, bang everyone really, mm. or he's just he's trying to make a move on all the female cat, and I'm like, I like the idea that. In the end, you know, it's just like his heart is actually set on uh, Mongus Trap. And now let's talk about a cat of the day, where we examine a character that doesn't get much screen time. Who are they? What are they up to? And what role do they play in the complex ecosystem of the Jellical Society? Today's cat of the day is Tumble Brutus. Mm-hmm. If you don't know who he is, I don't blame you. I've watched this damn musical. I'm going to keep upping the number near 50 times now. Oh, well, you said a million earlier. Did know? I say a million? I think I said a million you said times. A million. So, okay, yeah. well, I've watched this musical at least two million times by now, and I keep confusing Tumble Bruce with Pounceville. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is one of the acrobatic cats uh, who's always, you know, dancing around, doing tumbles and flips and so on, um, is often seen dancing alongside Mistopheles. Probably because most of the time it's Mistopheles' understudy who's playing him, uh, playing mm. his role. And I don't know, he's just overall a very nice, friendly background cat. Does a lot of the heavy acrobatic lifting when no one else will or can. Um, Apparently, uh, his, uh, his sense of rhythm is sometimes even better than the actor playing... Uh, uh, Mr. Mistopheles, uh, who apparently <laughs> apparently sometimes get out of rhythm while Tumble Brutus is actually on it. In the 98. In the, yeah. Yes. Um, he's also sometimes it's difficult to recognize him to, uh, from, from Pounceable. Yes, uh, because they both have brown splotches over half their face. And you need to tell which half of the face it is to recognise either of them. Exactly. Uh, but gener- yeah, generally, Pounceville's the one being mean to Grizabella and um, and being more horny, whereas Tumblebruce is happy sitting in the back, yeah. either, either dancing alongside Misto or uh, looking at him admiringly from afar. Yeah, so, you know, I feel like maybe there's something going on between Tumblebruce yeah, so and... Yeah, take that for your ships. Um, yeah. And uh, Mistopheles' boyfriend, Ramtam Tiger, mm. is just so flamboyant and amazing. I mean... It's it's tough for understudies these days. That's true. Although it's also worth noting, Tumble Brutus is, is also the cat in the back rubbing his nipples when <laughs> T- Tugger sings his Tugger is gyrating in the faces of the young yeah. kittens. Yeah, but it's yeah. interesting. Like Pounceable is actually on borderline of being mean, while Tumble Brutus is a little bit more rest- like restrained. Oh, Pounceable! Yeah, Pounceable is is straight up an asshole. He, he explicitly scratches Grizabella. <laughs> and Alonso does well. Alonso is also kind of the asshole so it's almost mm. like Alonso the most hierarchy of, uh, of asshole cats. yeah and then there is you know <laughs> Pounceable and then Tumble British on the other on the other scale I mean he doesn't mm. do that much either right he no. doesn't take that much initiative no he at the moment he dances with Misto and mm-hmm. maybe one day uh, you know feel... he'll, he'll take the initiative and ask him out I feel like the best thing we've said about Tumble Brutus is he's not an asshole. <laughs> Uh, I feel like we're. I feel like we're kind of not all menning 
this or saying that you know once again the bar is set so low for male yeah. cats in the universe of cats and he has sensitive nipples which he's, is not yeah uh... sambal brutus not an arsehole and he has sensitive nipples <laughs> and occasionally he has a nice flip yeah so yeah, yeah. Give, give some love to tumble brutus So what do you think? Is Cat queer? Of course Cat is queer. Yes. I mean, we barely need a thesis for this. You know, whether you want to focus on the skin-tight lycra, the constant uh, touching and gyrating, or uh, the clear, queer, magical cat who's out and proud in every production, Cat is definitely queer. Mm-hmm. And, and the Ramtam Saga, the bisexual representation. Yeah, by, yeah we, ca- all, uh, we all need. Chaotic bisexual. Yeah. 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 Disaster bisexual. Disaster bisexual, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yes, you heard it here. Cats uh, is queer. Uh, that's our canon. Uh, so it is canon now because it exists somewhere yeah. on the There's internet. no line between canon and fanon. So cats is queer. Is, it, it, yeah. And this is, this is true. It's all fluid. So it's all fluid. <laughs> oh, no. It's all fluid. It's all flu- that's, that's the tagline for this episode. It's all fluid. It's all fluid. Right. Thank you for listening to our first episode of Jellicle Catharsis. Please like, subscribe and leave us a review so other people can appreciate the wild gem that is cats. Hey, we'd love to hear your feedback, theories and ideas from upcoming episodes, so let us know on Twitter at JellyCatharsis. You can also get more details on this episode on our website www.jellicalcatharsis.com where we'll also post some additional pictures and links we mention in the podcast. Our intro and outro music is Whiskey on Fire, performed by Rum Buffalo, an awesome London band bending blues, fiery pop rock and space punk with filthy synths and epic horn lines. Go check them out at rumbuffalo.com and on Spotify and YouTube. And until next time, may the moon shine bright and all your choices be jellical. Oh,